0: A missing submarine. A dead naval officer off the coast of Madagascar. Birds going haywire in Peru. An active alien tech in Hong Kong. There's
1: also a talking cat in Ontario, but I've ruled him out for now. For whatever reason, they're allowing me to say, this is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome.
2: Welcome to another Doctor Who podcast, episode 306. And joining me this evening once again, it's Ian. Good evening. Good evening, good evening, good evening. So we've just watched Doctor Who, haven't we? Yes, literally about 15 minutes ago. We're back with yet another one of our, what I like to call our hot takes on Doctor Who. Fresh off the press, to coin a phrase. After last week's highs, did we... Well, did we maintain the highs or did we do do we back to the lows again? What did you think? I thought this was a pretty good story.
0: It's it's not, you know, an all-time classic, but it was no, above the no. blur that so many of of this era have been. Like it will love it last week was a big deal. It was. Obviously this week, I mean, unless they'd carried on the plot, this wasn't going to compete on the same territory, and I thought it was a good solid story.
2: Okay, i got a slightly different take on that, in in the fact that I was, um, occasionally I was reaching for my phone, which to me is is a bad sign, didn't really hold my attention. And I think what what didn't help matters either, I had a a rather fidgety, um, my sort of seven-year-old son sitting next to me, who kept uh, uh, proclaiming throughout this, this one is boring daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. One thing that did get my son to sit and take notice is, is when the Praxius virus destroyed its host. Um, he, he found that rather upset and he, he was clinging onto my arm. And so that was very nearly a scurrying behind the sofa moment for him.
0: I thought the atmosphere was pretty scary throughout. There, there was a tension running through the whole story, which I was quite pleased to see. Mm. It, it's not tension in the way that old classic Ho- Who used to do, but I think in a modern era it was pretty good actually I I I thought they ratcheted up I mean certainly for the first 10-15 minutes you don't know what's going on you don't know how all these things relate to one another neither do the characters but there was a clear air of menace there was a clear air of mystery there were some quite horrific things going on I I thought they they built the scene up pretty pretty well actually
2: Certainly was a, uh, a globe-trotting story this one, and uh, yet again we have the Doctor and the the Fam or her mates, whatever you want to call them, already onto something. Pretty much like the Nikola Tesla episode from a couple of weeks back, uh, which I quite like. Yes, it, it means you cut to the chase early and sort of get, get stuck into the actual plot.
0: I was reminded of Spyfall Part One with the sort of the globe-trotting apparently disconnected events and the sort of the country names appearing in the big font across the bottom of the screen mm. For a little while, I was almost wondering, is this going to be a continuation of, of that story? But it wasn't. It was just that they're using similar sort of storytelling techniques to get
2: across what they want to say. Yeah, I mean, I did quite enjoy that. I mean, yet again, it's another eco message story, which I'm I'm not against at all. I think now and again, we need to be reminded, but I don't think it was quite as sledgehammer over the head as it was um, a few weeks back. With the threat of global warming, it was a bit more subtle. I felt this time round.
0: Yeah, it it wasn't whacking you around the head with a dead fish the way, uh, orphan fifty or a dead crow even <laughs> or a dead crow indeed. Yes, which the way yeah. orphan fifty was it fifty two? I forgot fifty five. Fifty five. There we go. Yes, it, it wasn't it wasn't as heavy handed as that. But I, I I thought that the message did kind of plop a little bit out of nowhere, and then they talked about it an awful lot. It would have been. Nicer if they perhaps just alluded to the plastic a little bit more on a build up so that it hmm. kind of got threaded into the story rather than okay, it's time to do an info dump as to what this week's ecological message is. I mean, I don't mind, I, I, I actually think it's fine to do these sorts of messages. I mean, f- for all people like grumble a bit about this kind of stuff i mean doctor who's always done these sorts of things i mean if you go back to the original cybermen story the 10th planet that was riffing off of people's fears of organ surgery and organ transplant surgery which was a new thing Mm. at the time and that they were using that to say well what if we took this and extrapolated and what horrible things could happen so you can look throughout who's history and see it riffing off of current events and current concerns and current issues, so I've no problem with them doing it as a thing I think it could have been slightly subtler than it was, but it wasn't as bad as Orphan 55 although interestingly, my 14 year old son did totally unprompted say, I don't like it when they have a message so... Oh really? Now, it, okay. Th- that, that's okay. the kind of audience you'd think this is meant for, and if it's sort of landing like a, you know, a, a, a load of bricks in the lap, maybe it's not quite hitting, but... Who knows? Depends how
2: representative he is. You know, sometimes you you just want a scary monster. You know, we've had a couple of eco messages. I mean, we're only sort of just over the halfway point of the series as well. So um, I mean, I, I don't I don't mind it, but I think now and again, people just want to have a, a good old fashioned sci-fi monster story. And I don't, f- and I think this week there wasn't any real antagonist. You had the this is the problem of recording quite so soon after the uh, episode. I don't know the uh, name's of the characters. Suki Cheng. That was it. Yes. Um, I suppose this week she was the antagonist, but she wasn't strictly that either, was she? She triggered events by bringing the Praxius virus to Earth, but at the same time, a misguided medical reason for doing now, so.
0: I, I think that you could make a case that what she and her race were doing was a parallel with animal testing where mm. you know we, we've got a, a human disease and we're going to test it on animals and all well, those animals are now going to suffer and die because of us trying to find a cure for ourselves and I think there's an, there's an interesting parallel to be drawn there but it's quite a subtle one. That's actually how I prefer the messages to come across you put it there if, if you choose to see it you can see it if you choose to draw the parallels you can draw the parallels but yep. you don't you know, wrap it around a bit of two by four and hit you over the head with it.
2: That seems to be a bit of a Chibnall trope, really. Is to have the the voiceover at the beginning of the of the story, and uh, this week's was no different. Read, really. I know this was written in conjunction with Pete Mattai. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the the voiceover to introduce a story, or an episode?
0: I can't say it particularly bugged me, although I particularly noticed. I did notice the, the voiceover at the end, which I thought was a little bit... I thought that was a little bit leaden. Equally, it wasn't the Doctor giving the speech the way she did it at the end of Orphan 55, which really was soapboxy. This was a little bit more subtle and nuanced. But, yeah, I, I think messages are better when they're a little bit understated and you, you you sort of allow the viewer to draw their own conclusions rather than you know putting it on a billboard and surrounding it in flashing lights. I think there's some interesting parallels to Draw the Wolf in 55 because they're, they're both kind of story of the week episodes. You know, They're, they're not part of a bigger yes. arc. They're pretty self-contained. Both of them were quite pacey. Both of them you know, t- took you on a fairly fast journey and had a message behind them. And I think of the two, this was by far the better. And they gave Yaz something to do. I mean, I have to say, at the point where Yaz went, no, I'm going to go off and have an adventure by myself, I almost heard Chibnall yes. going, I better do something for all these fans complaining about Yaz being left behind.
2: Right, let's put this in here. <laughs> yeah, I think you're uh, I think you're onto something <laughs> there, actually. Did, for one moment, think, the way that the, the Doctor sort of looked back at her before she went off back into that, that warehouse in Hong Kong, whether with... This episode, we were going to see the end of Yez. It seemed a bit ominous at, at, at a certain point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think all three of them got a decent outing this week. I mean, I think it's tough. I mean, I'm I'm not a massive fan of the busy TARDIS. I think when you have this many companions in the TARDIS, and there's been a couple of times I've done it through the history of the show, I think it's really hard, especially in these condensed episodes. I mean, you go back to the Davison era when they had a similarly busy TARDIS. But they had, you know, four episodes to give people a chance to have a bit of screen time. With a single sort of 45, 50-minute episode, it's really tough. Uh, and I think there's always going to be someone who's going to take a back seat. And unfortunately, it has tended to be Yaz. Uh, I think this week, Graham probably took a little bit of a backseat, being a little bit of a mentor here and there. But otherwise, he, I don't think he was driving the plot forward as much as Yaz and Ryan were. But, uh, you yeah, know, it's nice to see her do stuff. <sighs> It felt To me it felt a touch artificial uh, as if it had been put in there just to give Yaz something to do because people kept complaining. But at the end I think that's always going to be a difficulty when you've got this many people knocking about in the stories. I don't think the modern era has enough airtime to have this many major leading characters and I think it would do better to slim down a little bit.
2: Now, one of the rumours about this story uh, was that apparently this was a meant to um, feature the sea devils at, at one point, ball accounts. Um, but as I understand, there's already been an, a, a Doctor Who story about the sea devils um, being annoyed at the human race for polluting the ocean. Um, now, is that a big finish or a, a or a, a virgin of New Adventures story? I or-
0: I I say I haven't heard the rumour. I mean, the sea devils and the solarians generally... We're always a little bit sort of, what have you done to our planet? Mm, I, I can't yes. remember this particular plot line having come up before. Um, s- struggling to see how you would have fit them into the story. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how much truth there is to that rumour. Or if it is true, it must have been quite early on in in the, 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 the writing. It's very hard to see how you could see someone, you know, coming up a, a physical force at the bottom of the ocean coming up the murker to, to,
2: to and fit that into this story <laughs> you had to bring up the murker. <laughs> will they ever live it down all the time we're here no i don't think they well, will <laughs> you, you, could,
0: you could probably do a halfway respectable murker with with modern special effects now
2: you could do or or just a tin of green paint and some foam rubber
0: <laughs> i i think that the virus idea was decent i thought it was well realized i thought it was Quite horrific and scary in a way that we like our Doctor Who to be horrific and scary, and see, seeing yes. that sort of effect creep over their skin, which was derivative of many a sci fi film, but so has it always been. Um, my wife did make one comment Why was the virus spending so much time going after the plastic, the microplastics in the human bloodstream, when the entire planet is full of plastic? Why was it not eating? The rubber seals around the doors and the bits in the computers and everything, everything is made of plastic. I mean, okay, it's the power of plot, but when you step back and think, it doesn't make a lot of sense.
2: No. um, Now you said that, it reminds me of that Michael Crichton book, The Andromeda Strain. Which I seem to remember that the, the the film version had a, had a scene where the, this vi- they flew into sort of like the, the zone where this meteorite or had crashed and the the virus was was by now airborne and was eating into the seals of the aircraft that was flying over, so I remember I remember the the oxygen masks just crumbling mm. and as you say it, it, it seems to be um, now I come to think of it rather um, it seems to be kind of a riff on on that particular that particular story. But as you say, there's enough plastic to go around without tucking into the human race first. Particularly that huge mound of uh, plastic that was on the uh, by that river in Peru and also sitting in the middle of the uh, Indian Ocean.
0: Yes, and yeah, th- th- these are real things and I suppose that, that, that the point was to draw our attention to that and to get the message across. But uh, it, it depends how much you like your st- story to make sense into the most minute detail, which some fans do. I'm looking at you, James. But, <laughs> but others, you know, I mean, I, I think it's hard to be a Doctor Who fan and not be able to suspend your plot disbelief at times because it doesn't always make the most sense. No, it
2: doesn't, it doesn't. It's uh, That's what you have to do in certain episodes. You've got to sort of stare past the uh, what we see as the obvious plot points and just sort of just go with it and enjoy it, really, I think, a lot of the time.
0: Yeah. And enjoy it, I did. Well, You know, we're just past the halfway mark now. And I think, overall, I'm finding this to be a better season than last year. We've had a few middle-of-the-road ones, and last year was plagued with middle-of-the-road episodes. But we've had just enough to push it above the bar that I'm thinking we're on a a bit of an upward trajectory. We're not soaring yet, but we're on an upward
2: trajectory, and that's a good thing. Okay, well, that was this week's episode, but... What about last week's? Here is Drew, talking about Fugitive of the
1: Jadoon. Howdy folks, it's Drew with another week late review. By the time you listen to this, my current favorite TV show will have done something incredible. That's right, after four masterful seasons, Michael Shore's The Good Place had its season finale this week. And I loved it. The Good Place has done something no other show in recent memory has pulled off. It kept me guessing without cheating, it kept me excited, it kept me caring, and most importantly, It kept me thinking. And with few exceptions, that's something Doctor Who has failed to do for me over the last several years. (laughs) Well, my little chilly babies, that all changed with Fugitive of the Jadoon. It broke me. I mean, it broke me and I loved it. I've consumed enough media to be able to track where a story is headed, but I did not see that coming. And to be honest, I don't even know what that was. Now, as a fan of the classic series, I am guilty of that all-too-common reflex of looking to the past to explain the present. So, when Ruth and the Doctor went to a lighthouse, I expected to see Rutins. Which, in my defense, would have explained the bio-camouflage, but you know what, never mind. This week, I'm less interested in reviewing the episode and more interested in reviewing fandom's reaction to it. Now, I tempered my response something fierce to Orphan 55, but the intensity I felt over that script is nothing to what I'm seeing from fans online. But whether those reactions are positive or negative, it seems universal that Chibnall has done something that may very well change Doctor Who forever. Last week, Ian and James went over a lot of possible explanations for the origin of Joe Martin's Doctor. Alternate timelines, parallel dimensions, pre heart regeneration, 6B regenerations. Even Whittaker's Doctor being the one out of sync with time is something I've seen online. And Chibnall, bless his nerdy little heart, may have left clues in the first five stories of this season and even throughout Series 11 that could be used to explain any and all of these. And maybe, just maybe, all the evidence that's being bandied about might not be clues at all. The point is... I feel like fandom is engaging with the show in a way it hasn't in a while. There's excitement again, along with a lot of trepidation. So, what's my theory? Well, my theory is... I don't have a theory. Honestly, any of the kooky theories Ian and James came up with are equally viable. Okay, well, not equally viable, but... I sort of hope Chibnall has come up with something that we haven't even thought up yet. What's important to me? is that Doctor Who has my interest peaked again. I hope the rest of the series and the series finale is tackled with as much energy and daring as last week's episode. I'm back on board. I'm along for the ride, destination unknown. So, to paraphrase a spoiler-free quote from the Good Place finale, for me, the true joy is in the mystery. That's all for now. Tune in next week when I review this week's episode. Thank you, Drew, your tiny whiny week behind reviews.
0: And I think that's probably getting towards the end of what we're going to say about Praxeus this week. What I can say is that we're planning midweek this week to put out our feed, our long-trailed feedback episode, which will be looking at your messages you've sent to us about episodes one through five of the current season uh, before we review next week's episodes next weekend. So you've got lots and lots of Doctor Who podcasts on
2: the horizon. Plenty to look forward to. Plenty to look forward to. So, of course, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at feedback at the Doctor Who podcast.com. You can also contact us on Twitter at the DR Who Podcast. And, of course, we've got our Facebook group, The Doctor Who Podcast.
0: Fabulous. Well, thank you very much, Phil. This has been enjoyable as ever to discuss the, the latest comings and goings in the Doctor Who universe. I look forward to the next one.
2: Yes, yeah, same here, same here. I don't know who's up next week, but next week's episode that I believe is called "Can You Hear Me?" Ooh, ooh. Ian, thank you very much. We'll see you next time, everybody. Bye bye. Bye bye.